There are over 75 million monthly Tubi viewers. That's more people than there are influencers on the internet. Which means Tubi is more popular than sponsored posts for digestive enzymes and high coverage foundation. More popular than soft launching your boyfriend. More popular than making boomers explode with rage when you tell them how much you make on a single post. Tubi, it's more popular than influencers. See you in there. Hear that? It's the call of the Crave. And when the Crave calls, you know what to do. Try the $5 Bacon Bundle, because the only thing better than a White Castle slider is a White Castle slider topped with crispy hickory-smoked bacon. So pick any two of either the Bacon Cheese Slider, 1921 Bacon Cheese Slider, or Chicken Bacon Ranch Slider, and also get a small fry for just $5 with the $5 Bacon Bundle. White Castle. Follow your Crave. Check baby one two three. Check baby check baby one two three. Okay, we can leave those checks. Really? Check baby check. Oh boy. We don't have the rights. Let's sing. Keep it precise. Oh, now you don't want to sing the song. This is what marriage is, folks. Keep it precise. Keep it. Come on, sing the song. Sometimes there are things that I thought were between us, and then. Somebody comes up to me who I don't know and tells me something that I thought you only said to me. Oh, well, the Keep It Precise song, now everyone's going to know, but that's that's just ours. Yes, we keep that just for us. We keep it precise. Keep it precise. That's the sound of my husband, Smirky Husky. You guys sent in so many questions that we're going to have to do this in two parts. Uh, and they're all really good questions. It's not like, what that dick like? Like, they're all thoughtful and sweet. And uh, I was very touched. I was actually hoping you'd answer that question. What that dick like? It's, uh, it's... Okay. You, well, oh, we I was going to say something nice. Go ahead. About your penis. Hi, Mom. We got a lot of questions. We're going to get right to them. People are very excited. You are a chef. Confirmed or deny? Uh, confirmed. What, what, why hesitate? Like, why even the, uh, like, that's what you do. I try to make sure I'm fully processing every question. I know, I... and it drives me crazy. It drives me crazy. I'll be like, do you want a, a cookie? Um, uh, just do it. Just say it. And it's like, if I don't answer fast enough, then no answer is valid. And then what do I say? Rest of your life's going to be like this, buddy. <laughs> Hop along. Hop along, Susan. Haley GL103. Nope, that's a does one. It, does what? it help anyone to read the the username? Are people going to look yes. that person up? No. It's just for the person to know yeah. that it's a good question. What's well, letting people know they're true? That's a real low like percentage of audience happiness. Oh, welcome back to Kvetch <laughs> Chat. I'm your husband. I just feel like podcasts so often it's just somebody All right, save it for the slowly trying to read the name of a username. Haley G103. <laughs> 30% of the material. All right, go ahead. 
As a chef, what is the worst thing a customer can do to piss you off? Also, I love you guys. It's a broad question, and we're going to get more uh, micro with these, but um, it doesn't be the worst, just something. Uh, I can answer for you. Okay. No, go ahead. <clears throat> um, I don't know if there's a single worst thing. I think I'm always sort of baffled by people who are never happy and keep coming back. But and, you married one. <laughs> yes. But it's like, if all you do is complain, then why do you keep coming here? Um, I do, it's like, this is not the answer to your question, but restaurant people love getting together and telling stories about weird things that customers did. Especially oh. anytime you've been in a business for a long time and somebody asks for something or does something you've never seen before, it's always kind of amazing. Do you want to tell the... Oh, do you know all my stories now? Well, I even marked down where I thought your stories were going here. <laughs> we just realized this Which last weekend <laughs> that we're at the place where we've heard each other's stories and we know everything that one's going to say. Uh, <laughs> you could have any side. We've been together for six months. Well, um, you don't hold it because you'll answer this for a question. Okay. So you didn't really answer her question. That was, uh, I was saying repeat just something. Cust What's customers who keep coming back and doing the same thing over and over again. Um, you know, the one, I guess the one that really pisses me off is. Wow. Uh, people who are doing stuff very specifically to try to get free stuff. Ooh. Like you're not you're not part you're not fulfilling the social contract of a restaurant. You're coming in trying to scam us. Like that stuff uh yeah, so those infuriate me. It's the same thing with like people you know who come in like lawyers who come in with someone in a wheelchair, don't get me, so they do can, not don't get me started on lawyers who show up trying to sue people. Yeah, and, then and get it's sued. a big thing and especially in California where they'll come through oh, yeah. with like measuring tapes and rulers, and they'll come in and say, okay, well, this table is a half an inch taller than the required height for someone in a wheelchair, and then they just go from restaurant to restaurant just suing you to make money, suing different restaurants Right, to they're make not money. actually trying to make it, they have no concern for the actual person in the wheelchair, it's just, you, and you get no warning, it's like, well, you're fucked now, here's hundreds of thousand dollars in legal fees. And it can literally be a half an inch. Like yeah. It's, it's not an actual, so that, that kind of stuff. People that take advantage um, like that. Yeah. All right. Let's get into the questions. Samantha underscore Marie underscore 95. Do you have a favorite junk food or guilty pleasure food that you know is just awful, but you still enjoy it? You might have an answer better than me about what my answer is. I don't, I, I don't have a necessarily a junk food, but I have a weird. He does have a weird thing. Thing that I love that I don't know why I can eat so much of it, but it's just hearts of palm, like out Canned. of the can, out of the jar. Like I almost want to drink the citric acid water sitting in it. It's and uh, but you know it's it's high fiber, low calorie, Probably and I just not love great it. for the planet. Uh, better than it used to be, but okay. Um, I knew you were gonna say hearts of palm. I don't believe in guilty pleasures. Like eat the thing, you can feel a little bit bad, but I don't like oh chocolate. Oh, I shouldn't. Oh, I can eat a lot of popcorn. Yes. You can. I trying to eat popcorn with you is impossible because you your hand lives in the bowl and it only leaves the bowl for a brief moment to put popcorn in your mouth and then it's back in the bowl, just <laughs> rustling around slowly. <laughs> like a like a tarantula. Yeah. Um I know this answer too. Savannah as I was reading these questions, I was like, oh wow, I'm I'm really married now. Savannah Jancy. Is there a food that you associate with your childhood? Love you, Eliza. Yes. I know what it is. What is it? Wagon wheel, turkey pasta. I mean, just pasta in general. I My mom- The answer to all of your questions Italian. is pasta. Yeah, I, I could, if it was magically good for me, I could eat 
pasta three meals a day for the rest of my life and probably not really ever get sick of it. There you go. There's so many different shapes. I mean, honestly, I could eat spaghetti marinara. What's your favorite pasta name? Uh, Oh, you're thinking of Strongozzi? Strongozzi. Strongozzi is a good one. What's it mean? Uh, If I remember correctly, I think that means priest stranglers. (laughs) Emily.phillips.81. Do you find it challenging to deal with everyone's dietary restrictions and food allergies? As someone with an allergy, I'd like to hear what I can do to make situations easier on restaurants and their staff when I go out to eat. Emoji. Um, from a restaurant standpoint, it's not that hard. I mean, you have, it depends on the kind of restaurant you have. If you're like a multi-course fancy restaurant tasting menu, it's a lot more involved. You know, if you're coming to our barbecue restaurant, like we just only have a few options for you if whatever your dietary restrictions are. I think it's more frustrating from a like dinner party home cooking standpoint where I feel like I've talked to friends and colleagues about this where it's like it didn't seem like it happened that much 10 years ago. And now if you have a dinner party, you have to like send out a group email Mm -hmm. getting everyone's dietary restrictions and then try to calculate, you know, a way to throw a dinner party that is satisfying for everyone. everyone. Doesn't offend everyone, is satisfying for everybody, isn't a nightmare for you in the kitchen. And I could go on a whole rant about, not even a rant, just, you know, tips about the best way to sort of plan what you're going to cook for dinner for people coming over that is going to allow you to have a good time and not be stressed out about it. Well, I think there's also, you know, there's a dietary restriction and then there's a preference. Like I'd prefer not to eat pork. If there's bacon in something, I can always take the bacon out. If I ate a piece of it, that's okay. I think framing it in the context of like, this is what I prefer. So you eat around it. Like that's on you if it's something you'd prefer not. Uh, But like you told me the thing about people saying that they have a specific allergy and... Or the one that gets me is like when people say like, I'm celiac, which is like a real serious, uh, genuine condition. And then... You have to do all this work to make sure that nothing touches that. Tell them what they do because food, so you have to switch out the cutting. The kitchen boards. takes it very seriously. Yeah, because that's like you. It's a real, actual medical condition, and so you have to move everything around. You have to change over the cutting boards. You have to sanitize everything over. It basically stops the kitchen to do that. And then at the end of the meal, they go, "I'll have the chocolate cake. I can cheat sometimes." And it's like, no, that's not celiac. Right. That's just you wanting to not get a weird eye for saying I'm I'm gluten sensitive, which. Uh, you know, if you choose to be sensitive to something, you are. Ooh. Yeah, what did your dad say something about that? Oh, no, there was a study that was done. By the way, he's not I, saying it doesn't exist. He just, he's he's not saying it doesn't exist. He's saying if you're choosing it, then you are. Yeah, I think psychosomatic things are real. Um, if you're incredibly worried about something affecting you a certain way, if you think that milk is going to make your stomach turn sour, it'll turn sour. It might turn sour before you drink it. There was a study, and I wish I knew how to pull it up or link to it, but they basically took a bunch of people who were all uh, gluten-sensitive, like like self-proclaimed gluten-sensitive. Uh, and they did a double-blind. Some of them had gluten. Some of them didn't. No one knew whether the food they had had gluten in it or not. And the result of the test is everyone's stomachs hurt, whether <laughs> they had gluten or not. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. It happened to me. I didn't think it would, but it happened to me. I had a nasty bout of postpartum depression. Now, there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about what you're dealing with, and there's nothing to be ashamed about in talking about it with someone. I definitely saw a therapist these last couple weeks because, you know, I spend my time giving advice to others, but I could use a little advice myself. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. I'll tell you what, when you're already 
stressed or anxious, the last thing you want to do is battle traffic and sit in a waiting room and get your parking validated. I'm sorry, is that just an LA thing? You don't need to add all that. You can just sit in the comfort of your own home or a chair you like outside and you can talk to someone from BetterHelp. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and you can switch therapists at any time. No additional charge and it doesn't hurt their feelings. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Eliza today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Eliza. I'm busy and this time of year gets even busier. I've had my baby. I'm back to work. I'm at meetings. I'm on tour. I'm running around and I don't always have time to sit down for a meal with my family. Sometimes I get home from set so late and I just need to eat something nutritious and go to bed. And that's why I like Factors fresh, never frozen meals because they're dietitian approved and they're ready to eat in just two minutes. So no matter how busy I am, and I'm busy, I always have time to get a nutritious, great tasting meal. Factor has over 35 different meals and more than 60 add-ons to choose from every week. So I never get bored. I'm trying to do less meat in general and they have wonderful vegan and veggie options. I just made a vegan mushroom marsala and I made an onion risotto. Just because you're eating vegetarian doesn't mean you can't eat deliciously. It had roasted garlic green beans. It was scrumptious. Head to factormeals.com slash Eliza50 and use code Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month. That's code Eliza50 at factormeals.com slash Eliza50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next month while your subscription is active. Well, it's finally happening. The weather is finally getting warmer. So it's time to say goodbye to the jackets and cozy sweaters we've been hibernating in all winter. And it's time to say hello, bonjour, to shorts and t-shirts. And if you've been wanting to update your wardrobe for the long haul without spending a fortune, Quince is for you. I talk about Quince a lot because I really believe in a sustainable capsule wardrobe. And there's no reason you can't have a sustainable, timeless wardrobe for every season. And Quince has got you covered with premium linen dresses, blouses and shorts from $30, washable, silk tops, hello. And the best part is all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Dressing well shouldn't break the bank. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and premium fabrics and finishes. Look well. Get warm weather ready with Quince. Go to quince.com slash Eliza for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash Eliza. Diener, 1983. If not a chef, what career path would you have followed otherwise? Uh, I mean, that's an easy one. It's what I kind of always had wanted to do and still love doing and do in, in passing on the side, which is writing. Writing was the first love. It's what sort of got me down the food path in the first place. Um, and I still get to do it sometimes. What's the weirdest special request you've had a guest at the restaurant ask? Uh there's a couple of good ones. Um, these are both at uh, Bloodsoe's, our barbecue restaurant. They weren't done to me personally, but they were through uh, staff members who were friends of mine um, at the restaurant. One was it's a sports bar and there's TVs up and everything. And a person looked behind the server and uh, said, oh, you guys have pizza? I'll get a pepperoni pizza. And then she turned around and looked back to the customer and said, uh, Sir, that's an ad for Domino's. <laughs> so that one was great. Um, it was great. My friend Tad had a customer once who uh, tried to sell back the half rack of ribs he didn't <laughs> eat to the restaurant, which is not legal. It's like that Chris Rock bit. <laughs> Give you one gum. 
Yeah, definitely not legal. He underscore Johanna. If you could change one thing about American food culture, what would it be? That's a good one. I mean, it's an incredibly complicated question. Um, so great job, Joe. He, Johanna. Uh, I think, uh, and to me, a lot of the issues that come about have to do with sort of like industrial complex issues and and tied into farm subsidy stuff. And it's like they're, everything is so tied together. But, you know, you go to these sort of food deserts and you go to certain parts of the country where- What's a food desert? Food deserts are parts of the country that don't have access to a lot of the same ingredients everyone else does. They don't have access to as much fresh produce. And you end up with very, very, very few options. And uh, again, it's a very complicated question. But um, being able to have better access to better things um, in more affordable ways, like you know, the fact that you know, a McDonald's cheeseburger, as I think at various points, is cheaper than buying an apple is a... It makes the decision making easier uh, for people to have uh, less healthy lives. So you're trying access to affordable, nutritious food, sustainable food. Uh, I think that sustainability becomes something that's only for the rich. Like you have, if you have money, then you can afford to look down on people. Not look down on people, but you can afford to eat only the sustainable source or the ethically sourced one. Uh, and it's complicated too because if you want to eat locally, but you live in a certain uh, part of the country with a certain climate. If you live in Alaska and you only want to eat locally in the dead of winter, like you're eating like an old potato. <laughs> like that's right. it. Um, so yeah, uh, those are the kind of things that I would, I would like to do. I would like to make... Uh, accessible and more affordable. Better ingredients better that are more accessible and more affordable. And oh, it's so sad. You how said to do that is really, really Better really ingredients. And I was like, better pizza, Papa John's. <laughs> Welcome to America. Clean your plates. Kit Kat rib. As a chef, when you go out to eat, are there certain things to look out for to indicate a restaurant's cleanliness and therefore their food quality? How do you decide if it's worth eating there or not? Oh, tell them the food rating thing, won't you? The food like rating? Like an A. Oh, uh, health department ratings are, I mean, sure, they're generally a good guideline to look at, but they are really I mean, the things that you get dinged for for points are really all over the place. And also, um, every health inspector focuses on different things and has different things that they care about. So uh, it is not necessarily an indication of, of, of how clean your food is. Um, and there's a lot of stuff that you're allowed to do that is disgusting. And other like stuff what? that you're not allowed to do um, that is totally fine. Um, uh, you know, like... The, some of those like, like you know, commercial sanitizing like uh, like vegetable washing solutions and things like that. Um, those things kind of creep me out. Uh, you know, the way that you're how long you're able to hold um, meats and things like that in certain aspects. Like hold, hold. Like uh, holding at a temperature. Uh oh. So like you think about like if you're making like barbecue, cradling, cradle the beef. Well, a lot of times you know the thing that you would do. Um, that Americans have done for generations to make the best version of something. Um, like if you make barbecue, you want to, you know, hold it ideally like wrapped in butcher paper in like a thermos for a few hours to rest and do these certain things. But a health inspector wants you to keep it at a certain temperature that is less good for the quality of your food and uh, uh, better for uh, this sort of fear of liability. Thing. Yeah. I think so much in our, in our, in our country in general, but food 
particular and safety is all, it's less about, oh, we hope people are okay and more like we're just trying not to get sued. You go to Europe, sandwiches are just out. They're in a, a glass case that's not temperature controlled. Food is out. It's on counters. Tapas are just sitting there. And here everything is like sterilized, stunned, ice bath plunged, wrapped in plastic in a freezer. Pasteurized, overcooked. And all we're all stuff. fat and sick. You know, the way that I would cook a chicken breast at home is technically uh, under the required temperature by, like, what you were told to cook chicken to. Right. Um, and so, you know, it's complicated. Some health harm people are great, and they give you tips about certain things and ways they want you to do stuff. Some people will ding you for other stuff, and it's really it's kind of dumb luck and a little bit random. The joke in, like, you know, when you go to eat great Chinese food in America is, like, you know, A is Americanized uh, and like a C rating is like real Chinese food. <laughs> Burr, beret, 10. What are some absolute must-have staple items in your home and or restaurant kitchens? Let's go home because a restaurant kitchen, probably salt, pepper. Yeah. <laughs> uh, at home for me, uh, those, you know, I was kind of raised to believe that you should always be able to cook pasta for 10 people who show up for no reason. To feed a so- small invading army. Or just a small family of Italians. Mm-hmm. Um, so canned tomatoes are a big, big one for me. Um, dried and canned beans, cannellini beans are a big one. Garlic I always have on hand. Chili flakes. Um, uh, lentils are a big part of my diet. I eat a lot of lentils. I love having lentils around. So yeah. No, I things, eat a lot of lentils. Yeah, lentils, rice, beans, pasta, canned tomatoes, garlic. Not much. Um, <laughs> just some rice, beans. We were. I read where the crawdad where the crawdad sang, and <laughs> even though the girl's really poor, the food that she eats, you would pay like top dollar for. It's like I don't have much. Just steam. Oh, there's something in the bathroom. Just steamed mussels, oysters, cold fried chicken, blackberry pie, hot biscuits, soda crackers, steamed cobbler, cold lamb sandwich. We've been doing shrimp, this bit grits. nonstop for four days. We just he just he'll just say I don't have much, and then I'll just list off the tastiest things that a poor person in the South would have eaten that are um, that are very expensive. Or I'll try to do it. I'll get through two items, and then Eliza sighs at how slow my brain is, and then takes over, and I just get to watch just and laugh. Steam grits, hot biscuits, steam biscuits, fresh grits, little shrimp. I'm gonna sound like Bubba Gump. Um, where'd it go? Oh, this is about me. Elizabeth Elizabeth Elliot. Is Eliza always on? Is the perfect dorky girl we see how she is? Dorky? Whatever. See how she is 24-7? Does she kiss you as much as she kisses animals? People always expect chefs to eat gourmet meals all the time. Do you make five-star meals all the time? Or do you eat mac and cheese and ramen because they're easy? Wow, she slipped a couple questions in there. Uh, What you see is what you get, folks. Uh. She's definitely not always on. I don't um, think I'm always on anyway. No. On an Instagram post for that 30 seconds, yes. <laughs> I choose to entertain consistently, but I don't ever feel the need to be, you know. Yeah. Um, what? What? And then in terms of uh, do we cook five-star meals at home? No, I, I tend to do a lot of kind of like – balance balancing out style of cooking so like based on if we're traveling and you're eating all these cool restaurants then like i will cook really kind of light healthy nutritious stuff at home um and uh, we tend to cook mostly vegetarian at home for we, the most part you i don't cook that's true do i kiss you as much as i kiss animals no well i now, kiss blanche a lot yeah now because there's get, no animals yeah now i get more but uh um and i i think i've taken over some of the the weird grabbing and poking that uh, Blanche used to, used to take. Oh, 
she took it for the team. We make a similar face. <laughs> Just kind of this distant stare, <laughs> like when's it going to be done? Uh, Sarah Dot Garibaldi, what's your favorite memory of you and Eliza? By the way, love the podcast. You're so funny and honest. It's very unique. Never lose it. Thank you. She didn't call me a dork. You got uh, a favorite? Oh, of, of me, of you and Eliza, not just of me. Yeah. You got a favorite one? I mean, there's I got a so one. many. Uh, I mean, our first night out is a great one. Um, well, let's combine it because I'm in hassle for 20, says Smokey Husky. At what moment did you know Eliza was the one? You knew five minutes into the date, in my opinion. Uh, yeah. I mean, I was trying to temper a little bit, but I, I definitely. Yeah, this I I I knew pretty fast. Um, it was on. basically just me waiting to see what the first possible moment was that I could ask her to marry me without her saying no. And I think I <laughs> I think I did it just about in time. I feel like one of my favorite memories. I mean, I loved our first date, which we can get into. But you were doing a job for Walmart. You were opening up a restaurant in Bedford, Texas. Um, and it was kind of in the middle of nowhere. And you were there for months and months and months. Like you had to miss Thanksgiving. And you were unhappy. Like you're staying. And we were on opposite schedules. Opposite schedules. Hadn't seen each other. I would fly out Monday morning. Uh-huh. You'd already, you'd be getting home Monday afternoon. I'd leave Friday night and uh, come back Friday night and you'd already be gone. Yeah. So we weren't seeing each other. But on top of it, you were not enjoying the work you were doing. Um, and uh, I flew in for... Like for like a couple days during Christmas, and you picked me up at DFW, and the hotel where you were staying was drove the wrong way on the freeway. Drove the wrong way on the freeway. He almost blew a gasket, <laughs> like I he almost had an aneurysm, like just in his eye. And you know, Smokey Husky's really good at finding special restaurants, hidden places. Like if you want to eat Tex-Mex in the middle of Alaska, like he will find you the perfect place. And you found, at the time we were eating a lot of sushi, we have since stopped, A, because our dog died while we were in Tokyo, but also because sustainability. You found in the middle of this old part of Fort Worth that's kind of up and coming, but pretty pretty quiet, this little like izakaya. Shinjuku Station. Shinjuku Station. And you found that. And we only had a couple hours together. And it was so cold. And neither of us were dressed for it. And we went inside. And it the street was dead quiet in the middle of Fort Worth on a random night in December. And you and I had this like lovely Japanese meal that we would have had back in LA. And we were like, I think the only people in the restaurant. And I just remember the stillness of the street outside and how warm and lovely it was inside. And then we went braved into the cold. And then we both went back to our lives separately, but we had like that one little warm night together. And that was very special. It was. Because it was so us. And then, and you knew it. Marl just sweetie. If I love something like a sauce and I live in Europe, which is a long plane trip away from any restaurant in the US, would it be terribly wrong to ask for the recipe? Even just the ingredients used? I know some dishes are super secret, but I just want to know a tiny part of it so I can spare my, my own kitchen, as I will probably never have the opportunity to go to that same restaurant again. Uh, yeah, you can definitely She says, ask. I feel like the answer is no, but you're like, yeah. Um, I mean, they might not give it to you, but yeah. why not ask? Yeah, it's flattering. Yeah, you're not the asking hard, to steal it. The hard part is actually trying to recreate something in another country. You realize how subtly different every single ingredient is. I... Uh, I helped open a barbecue restaurant in a casino in Australia and just like trying to make like barbecue sauce and like the vinegar is different. The spices are all different. Mm -hmm. You kind of end up having to like 
redo everything from scratch because nothing you you can't make two things taste the same with different ingredients. Amaranth wise, I mean, like that's even like even the wood is different there oh, that you're yeah. using to smoke the it. Meat's different. The I way mean, they butcher the animals is different. You have to. We had to go and teach uh, the the processing facility like how to trim a American style uh, wow. pork rib. Yeah, I mean, even New York to LA, they're like the water's different. So can you imagine oceans away? How much different? The only consistency you're going to get is with Coca Cola, and even that. And Mexico yeah. and L in the U.S. are different. Uh, Amaranth mm-hmm, wise, how happy is he to no longer have to eat tarantulas and such like for tasted? Oh, um, I actually, I that was a super fun little for those who don't know and why would you? I randomly got hired years and years ago to host a YouTube like web show for this now defunct uh, um, YouTube channel, and it was super fun. Everyone there was great. I got to just pop in and uh, make stupid jokes and stand in front of a green screen with people I liked. And it was... Can they still watch it? Uh, yeah. Still yeah, they're all still up there. There's some old old YouTube videos and... For Tasted? Yeah, and some cooking stuff that I did. It was a lot of fun. It was a, a different different time. A different time? Years ago, somebody else had a question in here about rustic as fuck, but now I can't find it. But you could talk about that for a second. That was the, the cooking show. Oh, here um, it is. Dookie222. Why won't he do any more YouTube shows like Rustic as Fuck? Uh, I would love to. Uh, they're super fun. Rustic as Fuck was, uh, was sort of a running joke of what we called um, the cooking show. And it was really the idea around it was me trying to get people who don't typically cook that much to kind of demystify the cooking process and teach people how to cook without using recipes. And uh, it was great. I loved it. People would would write in and send me stuff that they made and uh, from from our kind of videos. And it was a ton of fun. If anybody wants me to keep doing it, uh, build me a studio and give me money. I just don't want to actually have to shoot and edit and do all that stuff myself because hosting is super fun, but I'm not, a, I'm not a I'm not an internet show producer. Tell you what, both those shows are going to get a spike in viewership after this. Uh, Smokey Husky and I are sitting here in Verona, New York, which is near Syracuse, and uh, we're looking outside. We're in a casino because I have a gig tonight, and it is snowing, and we're both just mesmerized at seeing a season other than fire. Yeah, tomorrow we fly home to L.A. where it's supposed to be 87 degrees. If we could just have five minutes of the snow, it would solve all the fire problems. Ichism, ichism, 1228. Ichism, 1228. How do you maintain a happy marriage when Eliza's traveling and you two don't get as much time together? My divorced friends would argue that Eliza traveling is how we maintain a happy marriage. I I don't, yeah, that might not be it. And it's not, I mean, that's you know... If she's shooting a show or she's on a European tour and she's gone for a month, like that sucks. But, you know, two days and at the end of a week is not the end of the world. And, and It's also the way that we started dating. Like I was, it was already like this. And we both, you when know. I met you. We met in our 30s. We weren't like 20-year-olds who fell in love and like couldn't figure out what to do being alone. We both loved our lives and were very happy being alone before we met each other. Um, Speak for yourself. I just like being with her more than being alone. But I, you know, when she's out of town, I get to cook pasta and watch a movie and go to bed at 9.45. Yeah, I guess I do that too. I, I've grown to enjoy my quiet time more. But I think it's one word together that makes it much more special. I think sometimes it takes a couple of days to recalibrate. And I'm like, who is this man? Get off me. Especially if it's too long, like four or five weeks is, that's brutal. But uh, a couple days is no big deal. Yeah, we're okay. 
Tomb, Tombly, why, why, why? What's the grossest, most shameful combination of late night foods you two have eaten together? Oh, I know. And I wouldn't call it gross, but I would say it was too indulgent. We were in Tokyo. We went for sushi. Oh, yeah. It was a couple of years ago. And sushi is one of those things where like you eat a lot of it, but not unlike Chinese food, you're always like, I could eat a little bit more. And it, the thing is, it's so expensive, so you can't just keep adding it on. It's like $800 later. Um, that's not true. It's never been $800. We had sushi. We had a really nice sushi dinner, like at a really nice sushi restaurant. And then we waddled over to Shake Shack. And we each had a hamburger. And we were drunk and on vacation. Definitely, but still, like, that's a lot. In Tokyo, like, it's so bright and active. Like, you just feel like you're just supposed to keep doing stuff. You feel like you're in a pinball machine. That's my answer, is a big sushi meal and then a hamburger. That was pretty good. I mean, we've definitely, we go out with our friends. We have, like, with Greg or Waz, like, we have nights where it's, I, I don't like it's just like we'll just find garbage tacos or Mexican food. Then there's popcorn. He's pretty good about shutting it down, and I'll just keep eating until someone takes my feed bag away. Yeah, I uh, yeah, but also like you know I I will sometimes plan a a night with friends out around a late night food thing. So like that's the best part for my birthday. We like had you know kind of a whatever dinner with a bunch of friends, but knowing that then you're going to go out for drinks and then go to an awesome taco truck at two o'clock in the morning. And I don't do it very often anymore, but it is a very, very, very fun thing every once in a while. Every once in a while. Sure. That way it's special. When you ask someone what language they took in school, usually it's like with an eye roll. They're like, French. It's like, do you speak French? No, I don't use it. I feel like a lot of us had difficulties learning a language in school. Rosetta Stone is here to change that. It's available on desktop and it can be used as an app on your phone or your tablet. Rosetta Stone are trusted experts for more than 30 years with millions of users and 25 languages offered. Rosetta Stone immerses you in many ways with an intuitive process and you can pick up any language naturally, first with words, then phrases, then sentences. Plus, with Rosetta Stone's true accent feature, you'll get feedback on how well you're pronouncing words. That's right. You might even fool some locals into thinking you're one of them. It's like having a personal trainer for your accent. I headed to Mexico City for a little vacation, and I used Rosetta Stone to brush up on my Spanish. Just a few things, few verbs that I knew I had forgotten, and I was better. Mejor. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, Ask Eliza Anything listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash Eliza. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com slash Eliza today. I do think there's something to be said for ordering something of quality and every once in a while getting a nice package in the mail with a product that you're going to own for a long time. Let me tell you about Bolin Branch's signature sheets because they're the perfect way to start upgrading your sleep, your room, the look of your room because they're designed to feel incredible for all sleepers. They are made with the finest 100% organic cotton. These sheets feel buttery soft yet super breathable and they're perfect for warmer summer months ahead. We have a house that we go to in the summer and I got all Bolin Branch sheets for the beds because we're having a lot of guests this year and I want them to feel like they're at a nice bed and breakfast that they didn't have to pay for. Bolin Branch sheets are free from toxins like synthetic pesticides, formaldehyde. I bet you didn't know that was in your sheets. And their signature sheets come in 14 versatile colors and they come in sizes from twin all the way up to California King. 
And Bolin Branch has a 30-night worry-free guarantee, which means you can wash, style, and sleep in their sheets for an entire month. And if you don't love them for any reason, you can send them right back with free returns on all U.S. orders. Sleep better with the softest, most breathable bedding from Bowl & Branch. Go to bowlandbranch.com slash Eliza for 15% off your first sheet set, plus free shipping. That's Bowl & Branch, B-O-L-L-A-N-D, branch.com slash Eliza for 15% off. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Robert.Powell. Why do you think so many good ideas for restaurants fail so quickly? Uh, I mean, were they that good of an idea <laughs> if it failed so quickly? Yeah, I mean, that's the, the truth great. is, like, you know, people don't realize how much goes into a restaurant, how hard it is to do, and all the behind-the-scenes stuff. I mean, it's a business at the end of the day. So if you, you know, by the time a restaurant opens its doors, they might already be so far in debt that you're, you're basically already screwed. That you tried to open the restaurant and then you started construction and it turned out there were all these issues hiding behind the walls that you couldn't have known about. And now you like get delayed for four or five, six months. And all of a sudden now, if you're not absolutely packed from day one, you're just going to be screwed. So the business side of it is really, really complicated. People don't realize that even very successful restaurants don't make as much money as you think that they do. Um, the profit margins are really slim. Labor costs are incredibly high. Rent costs are going up. We're, it's, we are going into, uh, I think especially in California, uh, we're going to have a very tough little stretch of the restaurant business. I think you're going to see a lot of restaurants closing. And why? Uh, because, like I said, I mean, you know, minimum wage stuff is skyrocketing. The amount of staff it takes to make a restaurant work all the prep cooks and dishwashers and servers and bussers and, and line cooks and all that stuff, it's expensive. And, you know, third-party delivery systems like Postmates and Uber Eats and all those companies, you know, they take a large percentage chunk of the money. Um, tell, tell, talk about that because I don't think people realize, because you're like, oh, my God, my delivery is 80 bucks. And it's like, yeah, because the restaurant, isn't it like the same cut for every restaurant or something? Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot of variation in the various systems, but for a lot of them don't let you change the menu price um, for a third-party delivery versus getting it at the restaurant. So then they also take sometimes whatever the, the percentage is preset to, sometimes it's 20%, whatever it is. So your margins that are already not great on food are now cut down even more. Um, and then on top of it, you know, if you're tipping the Postmates driver, that means they're not tipping the host. So now you're busier because you're going through way more stuff, way more packaging, um, and your staff's not getting tipped out. So now they're more upset, um, and you're making less money on that food. And, you know, obviously, as people mostly know, if you eat at a restaurant, you know, and you order a drink, even if it's a soda, that's, those are things that help your margins along, um, you know, meat is incredibly expensive and you don't make nearly as much money on meat as you do on, you know, rice and potatoes and alcohol. So it's uh, it's a very complicated business model. And now with people doing more third-party delivery, you're making less money on that stuff. Meanwhile, you know, rents continue to go up, food cost continues to go up, and minimum wage goes up and labor goes up. And all of a sudden, you're barely scraping by and you're working you know, 100, 120-hour weeks as an owner of a restaurant not paying yourself because you're trying to make the business work and you're struggling and it's it's tough. Um, yeah, I think you're going to see a lot more places closing, especially as, you know, it seems like the economy might not be going upward coming soon. But. Just, I just wish you had more insight. <laughs> Miss 
S.C. Wood. Cleanliness is next to godliness, as they say. What are some of the things you keep you do to keep a pristine back of house? Also, what are some gross things you've seen kitchen staff do that you find unacceptable? She goes on to say, longtime fan, bought my, brought my mom. You said bought, bought. Bought my mom's sister and sister-in-law your book last Christmas. We all adore you. Thank oh, that's you. so great. Kissy emoji. I kiss you back. Um, right on the mouth. I mean, the keys to cleanliness, I think, in a kitchen are just making it a priority, making, putting the rules in place from the beginning, training people properly, not, once any little thing slips, it just becomes uh, a huge issue and it, and it just snowballs from there. I mean, one of the things I've been trained, but trained on always is like, one of the most important first things that happens is like how you organize deliveries and manage your walk-in and that your walk-in is sort of your big walk-in refrigerator and freezer. And that is like the first step of the whole thing. And if that gets out of order and chaotic, then it kind of just bleeds into the rest of the restaurant. Um, you know, little things that matter a lot. You know, this is speaking of, of that book, Jeremy Fox, who's uh, a mentor and friend and an incredibly talented chef. Um, he's a big, you know, guy for me. Talks about you know having neatly folded towels in a kitchen. If you see a neatly folded towel in the back kitchen, you know it's there on purpose. If it's crumpled and it's in a pile somewhere or it's off to the side, you have no idea what it was used for. That could have been used to wipe up a grease stain. It could have been used to you know, wipe sanitizer or degreaser on something. And now you don't know whether it's clean or what it's been used for. So, you know, making a, organizing a kitchen so that everything seems like it's there on purpose versus chaotic. Um, You know, I always say that ideally you want to be able to have been on vacation for a week, walk into a shift and know exactly what you're supposed to be doing because the kitchen is in order Lists are in place. People are doing their jobs, and it's and you you don't have to just like have been there every day for the last six weeks to know what the hell's going on. Larlar Habermel, what food trend or gadget do you wish would go away? Say like food trend. Let's do that one. Um, jeez, think about that one. Food trend. Um, I don't know. I mean, I guess I'm not that. In the loop on trends these you days. You showed me that Reddit thread that's like food oh. <laughs> not on plates. There's like a yeah, Reddit. It's called like, can we have plates, please, or whatever it is. It's just like restaurants serving food on anything other than a plate, like on top of a wine glass, in a shoe, on a board, a piece of wood. Oh, those are just very funny too. I think, oh, you know what you always make fun of? Like liquid nitrogen desserts. Yeah, I mean, it's again, it's that thing where it's like, there. I think every trend can have its place. And usually if there is a trend, it's because somebody did an amazing job at it first. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, you know, I've never had a, a Dominic Ansel Cronut, Cronut oh. but I assume it's great, but it's, I don't need one from Winchell's. Like, no, it's excellent. Like it was a game changer. Um, so yeah, I, to me, I guess the trend that I want to stop is, is shitty knockoffs of, of good things. Yeah, well, good luck. It's going to be a long <laughs> life. C14Fish, what city do you think has the best food? <gasps> Let's say it at the same time. One, two, three. Charleston, Tokyo. Tokyo. Charleston, Tokyo. Um, I, I just love Tokyo. I think Tokyo, if you were just to walk into any restaurant at random uh, in Tokyo, you have a better chance of eating well there than I think any other city. But U.S. Um, city. Uh, yeah, I mean, Charleston is amazing. Uh, in the U.S., I think my two favorite cities to eat in are probably Charleston and Portland. Ooh, yeah. Portland, I just love. I Eliza had to be there for, she was shooting these brilliant Pete's Coffee ads. Thank you. They're not sponsoring this podcast, but. But soon one day. 
but they sponsor our lives. Um, and and uh, she did these amazing ads. And basically, I had uh, a full day alone in Portland while she was shooting. And I just basically walked around by myself eating at like 10 restaurants, taking like 40-minute walks from one part of town to the other and stopping in to drink, at a, drink a craft beer and then have a bite of food here and ate, uh, I think, some of the best fried chicken I ever had in my life is at That's... a bizarre little dive bar in Portland called Real M Inn. And uh, it's notorious for taking forever. If you go there at 1 a.m. on a Saturday night, your fried chicken might take three and a half hours to get out to your table. Cool. Um, and even alone at the bar on like a Wednesday at 2 in the afternoon, it took about 40 minutes. Um, literally the bartender fries the chicken behind the bar. It's the craziest setup in the world. Portland's like all your cool friends who care about food move, and they all move there to open restaurants. Everything, there's so many great restaurants. Everything's, you, you don't have enough stomach space for Portland. Like it's just, you want to stop into every shop, every restaurant, have a bite and move on. And while we're talking about Portland, I just want to say that Lovely's 50-50 is a pizzeria that I went to there that just like totally floored me. Totally different style from any other stuff that I'd had before. Not even a style that I would personally think of that I would want. Um, what was the style? It's really kind of her own thing. Uh, Sarah Minnick is this kind of just genius uh, uh, chef who it's this total natural starter, sourdough, uh, wood-fired oven pizza it's not that like carbony, blackened, charred crust. It's all kind of bready, but it was totally crispy and pliable and uh, like it didn't crumble or crack. And then she uses these just amazing local uh, uh, combinations of produce and edible flowers and all this stuff. And I just, I was- Lovely's 50-50? Lovely's 50-50. Lovely's 50-50. KT underscore Ulit. How long did you date Eliza before he introduced you to Blanche? Was it love at first lick for Blanche? Does Eliza have an EP of songs about Smokey Husky like she does for her little lamb? Um, I don't have that many songs. They're more like said, songs. do I? Have, oh, oh, songs that I sing to you? Yeah, you have songs that you sing, like, they're like songs that go with us together, but they're not about me. In the they're way songs that, that I'd be singing songs. by myself. Yeah, and I'm, and I'm around now. Um, you met I met Lip. Blanche the first night. Oh, Lip, we used to call her Lip. You met her the first night, and I said to you, I won't have sex with you, but you can come home, we'll make out, you can meet my dog. And you said, okay. And I showed you the dog, and you were not, you weren't moved, but you were, of course, nice to her. She was nice to you. Yeah, and, you know, to be fair, I, I was a little preoccupied by you at the time. Mm-hmm. And Blanche was great, but it, uh, yeah, it uh, it grew into a, a a deep and sustaining love for all of us. You would take care of her while I was gone? yeah. You were very sweet to her. She was a, a great woman, and you offered she was, a, and you offered her structure, mm-hmm. and she knew to ask you to take her out for walks. Took her on longer walks. I tried to control her diet so she didn't just eat whatever she wanted all the time. <laughs> um, I was just like, trying to get her to live as long as possible was my goal. Well, you failed, Karen Mokabi. Are y'all good tippers? Yes, he is an excellent tipper, and I follow suit. You both because tell tell the thing that you're saying about. Tipping, better business models. Oh, I, I don't know. I, Go on now. I'm Tipping is sort of a bizarre uh, uh, custom that doesn't really make a ton of sense, um, but it's the custom now, and you can't really – it's very hard to get rid of it because to get rid of tipping, it means you have to pay everyone more, which is 
fine. It's what would be happening anyway, but then you have to raise the prices on your menu. And if only you're doing it, then people just think that your food looks too expensive. They don't calculate in like, yeah, but it's only 20% more. We don't have tipping. Um, and, you know, I think there is an incredible discrepancy in front of house and back of house salaries and the way people's get, people get paid. Um, and it's very arbitrary to me to have uh, a customer decide that the one person they happen to talk to now gets to make um, a inordinate amount more money than than people who are doing uh, highly skilled labor in the back. And uh, the way I sort of joke about it is like, you know, if I talk to my dad who was born in 1947 and I had a restaurant and there was an emergency and I was down a server and I was down a line cook, uh, my dad in an emergency with no restaurant experience could fill in for the server and figure it out. And he could not fill in for the line cook. Um, and it's a complicated thing. It's the, you know, line cooks and dishwashers and, and prep guys are the backbone of the industry. And, um, you know, servers are important too. And I, I think that they deserve to get paid well too, but the, the discrepancy is massive. Um, and it makes it really, really hard to pay people what they're supposed to get paid. Um, so yeah, that's uh, my my spiel on tipping. Yeah, shout out to JM Ghost One Two Three who asked, "What's the one thing that would surprise someone about working in a restaurant?" Maybe I feel like we folded into that. It's a very complex thing, you know. Not not just anyone can throw on an apron. And nope. also, I'm I'm a firm believer too that that tipping doesn't actually make people better at their jobs. I was a pretty good waiter. Um, yeah, you're. Um, I'm pretty good at anything I do. Um, but uh, I think that you know. They're like anything else. There are people who give a shit and people who don't. And the people who do are going to work hard at their job regardless of what it is. You know, you don't, you know, have a better accountant if you tip it more. Right. The original Donald, ever been to a Waffle House? Uh, yes, I have. Scattered Captain Peppered. Scattered Captain Peppered. That was, uh, I think my first time at a Waffle House was actually relatively recently um, in the last few years with uh, our friend and someone who went on a uh, USO tour with Eliza, Jared Neiman, who's a awesome guy and country music star. You guys know and his song. You, I can drink to that all night. It's the stuff I like. Well, he is a very fun guy to go out with, especially in Nashville. And uh, yeah. I, I, I still yeah. got the scar. I I eat my hash browns the way the way he does. Scattered Captain Pepper. Scattered is that not a thing there? Do it's, they they say it there? Yeah. Oh thank God. I put it in an audition I had and now I'm just like, oh no, was it a Jaredism? No, no, but that's just the way that he gets his. Sure. Um, scattered. He also, Jared, this is unrelated to your question, but I was doing research for this project I was doing and wanted to try all these different fast food restaurants that only exist in cities that I haven't been to. So uh, Nashville has a ton of them. So we went on this like big road trip together eating at like eight different fast food places just to try a bunch of stuff and see kind of what they're like. And as we left to uh, go on the trip, he leaned over and said, all right, let's go make a turd. So gross. (laughs) Sapphire underscore Ruby highlights Smokey Husky. My name is Shannon. I'm 28 years old. I'm a Sapphire and a Ruby. I've been single my entire adult life, and recently I've been considering joining a dating app. Oh, my God. I thought she was going to say killing myself. I'm hesitant to join one because I still live with my parents, and I'm worried that it will scare any potential dates away. I've hooked up with guys before, but never had a serious relationship. I'm worried that my age, she's 28, living situation and lack of relationship experience will lead to a disaster if I join a dating app. 
I'll tell you I what. Know that you, excuse me. Oh, okay. I know that you two met on one, and I was wondering what encouraged you to join. Any advice you can give to this hopeless girl? You're not hopeless. You're Sapphire and a Ruby. Uh, I'll tell you this. Um, anything that is going to scare off somebody on a dating app would also scare somebody off in real life. And it's, 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 people sometimes would say to me like, oh, I don't want to go on a dating app. I want to meet people in real life. And I'm like, you don't have to choose between them. If somebody meets you in real life and they're like, hey, you want to go? I'm sorry, I'm on dating apps. I can't talk to you. (laughs) Um, It gives you more options. It gives you more people you can meet with. It also gives you a chance to get a little bit of a feel for somebody before you go there. And it's like, I always, it's nice to, you know, meet someone uh, online and go out on a date with them. And it's like, you get to go to the place. You already know that they're going to talk to you. You don't have to wonder if they're married. Well, sometimes on dating apps, people are creeps. But, like, for yeah. the most part, like, you're both there for the same thing. You feel it out. And I find that, you know, once you go on a couple of them, it just – you get used to it and you move on pretty it's quick. It's not weird. It's not the 90s. It's not this, like, salacious, weird subgroup. We And also, like, the comical – like, we're trying to meet someone. Anyone that you go out with, they're like, look, I'm just trying to make friends. It means that they don't want to date you. Nobody's really going on there for like networking or like like Raya has that feature where it's like just here for networking. No, you're here to see some hot tail. And then if she's ugly, you're like, no, I'm just here to network. I think it's just like this common goal. I remember, was this you that said this to me or another friend? Like these people went you. on a, what? I love you. <laughs> these people went on a date and like they were like arguing. Like the guy was just like arguing with her and like the girl was like, we're supposed to want to fuck each other. Like that's the goal here is to like attract each other, not for you to be a pain in the ass. So you're there with a common goal and I think you've lifted, you've taken one step. Once you're on the app, it's like, look, we're all admitting we're trying to meet someone. And, you know, Eliza and I, we don't use my name. lived for years um, within blocks of each other in the same neighborhood. We went to the same gym. We had a friend in common who was trying to set both of us up separately with people. Our and grandparents never, are buried in the same cemetery, we found out. And we never would have met if not for the dating app, or yeah. probably wouldn't have. And and it's, especially in cities, like there's single people who live two doors down from you that you never would meet otherwise. That's what that song, that if you like Pina Colada song, like she ends up trying to cheat on, they end up trying to cheat on each other and they end up getting set up with each other. They put in the ad in the paper, if you like Pina Colada's getting lost in the rain, and they both answer it like, I do. And it was her husband the whole time. Yeah, just do it. It's a, gives a you a better, better chance of, of having it work out. Most times it won't. It only has to work out once, though. Oh, that's true. Uh, Kyrie Co-Cooks. How do you find time for dating as a chef? How do you continue to find time to date as a chef? Um, She's out of town a lot. I <laughs> <laughs> you. Um... You know, it's you, you fit it in. If you if you want to hang out with somebody, you find time. You know, if you're opening, you, a you hear that, girls, straight from the horse's mouth. Now, look, there were stretches where I mean, yeah, you, if you're opening a brand new restaurant and you're working 140 hour weeks, like you, you're not. And that's those are real hours. Sometimes, by the way, that's not an elaboration. Real hours, um, real fuck hard. And that's fucking 20 hour hard. days. But that you know. Can't last forever, otherwise you pass away. So <laughs> pass away. Uh, but you heard him say it. I say it all the time. You make time. I'm a comic. He's a chef, and we found time. We had like a day that we were both free. He came to a show of mine on the first night. You can still do your things. You make it work, and then. Uh, like the third date, which was like three days later because we went out all nights in a row, I was sick and he came over, he brought me food and I said, you have to sit on the other end of the room because I don't want to get you sick. He said, can I please be close to you? I always have this like, 
I don't remember if it happened or it was just always in my head as an idea, but like the idea of like you cook yourself a nice dinner, you got it in your hand, you're ready to sit down, and then you get a text that says like, hey, want to grab dinner? You just like immediately throw it in the trash can. And leave you the did house. that? Yeah. Because I was like, hey, I'm ready to go out. And you'd be like, I'll be right there. I probably put it in the fridge and ate it the next day. I can't see you throwing out food, <laughs> yeah. Big, blonde, and proud. Hey, Mr. and Mrs. Husky and baby arm and Scotty number one. Me and my husband both work full time, but offset schedules. We don't share any days off together. We both struggle with cooking, with, with the cooking grind and trying to feed ourselves each other without having to cook three times a day. Any tips on recipes for cooking a decent meal in under 45 minutes for the exhausted working married couple? Thank you. Love you. Hope you like my handle. No dashes or underscores. Just how you like it. One ah, of the big things fresh. for me is uh, using your downtime as uh, an investment in when you don't have time. Um, so in uh, the cookbook that I wrote with Jeremy Fox, we do a lot of stuff like that in there, which, you know, is some of it's more complicated. We call it like the larder section of like stuff that you can make that you can now have as throw-ins in the dishes that sort of pause slow-cooked, slow long-cooked things as ingredients to put in other stuff. But the other thing that I do a lot, I mean, yeah, there are some fast things, but the other thing that I do a lot is um, I'll cook something um, that reheats well. So I'll make like a really good pot of like a healthy vegetable soup. Mm -hmm. And then when it's later in the week and you don't have time to do anything else, you have this thing. And um, I always say that like when, you know, if health food is convenient, you'll do it. Uh, when it's not convenient, you'll end up doing something that's unhealthy and convenient because usually unhealthier things are faster and easier to do than something that's good for you. You make kitchery a lot, and I really like that now. I didn't know what it was before. Yeah, kitchery is really Tell them cool. about how you know it. Uh, I learned it from my brother who uh, has been living on a place called Mount Madonna, this like very beautiful kind of cool, uh, they call it an intentional community. It's kind of like a hippie Hindu place that my dad took us to when we were kids. Um, and it's this sort of uh, traditionally like Ayurvedic Indian dish that I think is oftentimes like it's like the first food that like solid food that like the kids eat in India. It's like almost like baby food, but it's basically. Definitely is like baby food. Um, it's basically a rice and lentil porridge that you make. So you take ghee, um, which, which is, is clarified butter, or you can use oil or whatever it is. And you toast a bunch of spices and then you fry up um, like black mustard seeds and ginger and. Uh, Sounds delicious. Uh, caraway seeds and things like that. And throw in some turmeric and it sort of spices up. And then you throw in rice and like mung dal or lentils, like different types of lentils. Put those in there, they kind of toast them all together. And then just sort of slowly add in boiling water and kind of build it up and build it up until it becomes this um, like nice consistency, uh, like soft yellow spiced rice and lentil porridge. And then we always eat it with like topped with yogurt and cool like Indian pickled stuff like pickled lime rinds and mangoes and hot sauce, which is not Ayurvedic. All these fun little things, which is not Ayurvedic at all. Hot sauce is not Ayurvedic. Hot sauce is not. Uh, He lives an intentional living community. I've been there with you. And it's this Hunuman temple, right? Hanuman? Hanuman? There is a Hanuman temple. Hanuman? From yes. uh, Sons of Anarchy, there is Everyone's a Hanuman temple on the on the property. It's a big, beautiful property in in Northern California with lots and of redwood trees. Your brother's name is Jason, but on the mountain, his name is Shantam. Punjari Shantamji. Punjari Shantamji. He doesn't go by that that much. And but you were also Shantam given a name as a child there by by Babaji, uh, which was Pavan. Pavan, and what does it mean? Uh, it means uh, wind. huge dick. <laughs> huge dick. It means Ayurvedic thick shaft. <laughs> 
order underscore traveler. What was the first RDU underscore traveler? What was the first meal you cooked for each other? Well, still waiting on um, my end, but you made me you made me toad in a hole. Yeah, like a time. year and a half. Yeah, that one time on your birthday, I made you toad in a hole. Tasty times. And you were like busy, and I was like, get in this kitchen, I made you something. Um, what do I always say? Tasty times call for tasty measures. That's what I say. Uh, the first thing that I cooked for you, if I remember correctly, I remember. Oh, it was pizza. That was the first thing. Yes. Um. So the this is very sweet, and I'm just gonna say it. it's a little embarrassing, but it's very sweet. Um. Our first night together, so our first day we went out, we got drunk, we went out, and as we were falling asleep, fully clothed, with a small woman in between us, uh, he whispered to me, where have you been? And I thought it was so cute. And the next morning- I didn't I, do it in that voice. No, you were like, where have you been? Where have you been? Where have you been? Excuse me. Uh, excuse me. <laughs> uh, and then the next morning, one of the first things you said to me was, what are you doing for dinner tonight? And you took me to your pizza place. Well, we- we I, we were driving. I forget why. I think I'd picked you up from your set or uh, at the comedy store that second night. Um, yeah, and uh, and I said, let's cook dinner. Oh, you asked me, and I was like, let's make a pizza. And I didn't really know much about your love for pizza. I just thought it'd be like a fun interactive thing to do. Yeah, you wanted to like get like a Ralph's pizza dough, a boboli. And I said, uh, no, no. Is it boboli or is it boboli? Boboli. Yeah, Michelle calls it boboli, and I want to hit her. Garbaggio. Um, so we, I said, no, no, this way. And we pulled up in the alley behind uh, Prime Pizza on Fairfax, uh, opening its third location in Burbank, coming soon. Grab Very delicious uh, New York style slice it is shop. Delicious. Um, and uh, I, she waited in the alley and I went inside and came out with a uh, cast iron pan, pizza dough, tomatoes, pepperoni. Uh, all kinds of good stuff, basil and mozzarella, and it's just like, and we made at pizzas. I made pizzas at home, uh, and then I think the next meal I made you was probably some form of a pasta. It was pasta. Every meal for the next like three months was just us drinking wine and eating pasta and celebrating how much we liked each other. If you go through my Instagram feed, it's like it's a lot of yeah. Uh, it's pretty much all food, um, but it's I can go through and it's like. It's like cliff notes of our relationship in my head. It's like, okay, here's the first time like I cooked, you know, a few sealy at at your house, and we were like watching Frasier in the background. I think there is a photo on there somewhere. Oh, definitely Frasier. I definitely was on like a weird mental loop of Frasier for like three years. And we, I remember you helped me write a caption. It was like, oh yeah, I told him your Instagram captions need like cute emojis and they need to be curated better. But the first one was like we had some joke about like it was like a tossed salad and scrambled eggs. Joke rewritten as like Fusili and something. I forget. A joke that no one got but us. JLM Kit. You guys are super cute couple and seem really down to earth. How do you carve out time for just the two of you? Do you binge watch Netflix? You go on fancy dates? Talk about life goals? Any advice for newer married couples? Um, Wait, can I just say one thing? Yeah. I think it's so funny. I mean, obviously, I'm the one giving out advice in my podcast, but just because we're married doesn't mean we have the answers. But for sure. we can tell you what we do. And happens to work for us a couple pounds later. Well, and also, like, hopefully you guys have, like, things you like doing together. Because um, I would say do those things. Um, but, uh, you know, I I think sometimes, too, like, the benefit of having gotten married, uh, you know, in our 30s versus, like, meeting in our 20s is you learn from stuff that you did in previous relationships and you've seen in other relationships that, that you that you don't want to do anymore. And sometimes it's just a matter of uh, 
having meeting somebody who you care so much about that you dearly, uh, dearly deeply that it's worth figuring out how not to do the shitty impulses that we all have in relationships and in ourselves. Oh, you answered that in a very holistic, spiritual way. I meant like, oh, uh, sometimes we get drunk. <laughs> we do that also. We've been doing it less though. For sure. That's just part of We're too older. old now and we made that shift where it's less liquor and it's more wine. You don't drink that much wine. I don't really like, I gotta be honest. I just, it's fine. But, uh, you know, we we occasionally sneak a good one in there, but it's also, you know. You're good. very good about like you like this, you like to just be with me and you're very low maintenance. So you'll come take a class with me. You you are more amenable to just go do stuff with me and I am not that way. I try to be pretty open-minded about a lot of stuff. Some stuff I have a very hard time with. but Like you uh, don't need to do Pilates, but you'll go with me to yoga. You'll go with me to a class if I we're on the road. I actually prefer doing Pilates. Oh, really? Yeah, it's you're very my, bad at it. It's better for my core. I'm well, worse at yoga. Well, we'll do more Pilates then. Okay. Okay, we'll do more Pilates. Shelly girl... 11.05, James Beard advocated learning to tempt steak by how it feels to, to your fingers. Is that something chefs do? Uh, yeah, for sure. Um, but you know what's better is a thermometer. Um, instant read thermometers are like one of the most useful things to have in your kitchen. This like There you go. This like myth of like if I'm a real man, I can touch a steak and know when it's done. Stick my dick right in it. And uh, and yeah, you can. I'm pretty good at that. If you do it enough times, you get good at it. But like ultimately, like a thermometer will do the work perfectly. And you know, if you want to not have a dried out chicken breast or Thanksgiving turkey, should we do a whole? Should we just do a whole Thanksgiving pod episode? Totally, <laughs> people. I mean, because you're that. making that you're making th- dinner this year for like sixteen people. I ordered it all from Erewhon last year. I was nobody in Texas. cares. I know, but uh, yeah, yeah. So there's like the yeah, you can like make a fist and you feel the little meat between your knuckle and your and your thumb and uh, how tight it is and how stiff. So there's ways to do that kind of stuff. But like honestly, buy an instant read thermometer, not one of those leave in like 1985 like turkey thermometers. You see in like cookbooks, yeah, yeah, People like this. Cookbooks. They will change everything for you and look up, you know, the right temperatures to cook things at. Um, when in doubt, I'm a big fan of Kenji Lopez alt for serious eats. He has like really comprehensive guys where like you can look at pictures of like steaks at every single temperature and go, Oh, I like it that way. And he'll tell you what temperature to yeah. take it off at. Janelle L. What is the goddamn fork supposed? Where are the, what way are the goddamn forks supposed to go when you finish a meal? Some imply done, but it sucked. Done, but it was good. Not done yet. It's like semaphore. Or do people use that anymore? And do the same go for chopsticks? Uh, I've never heard that. It's it's you want it at um at uh what five five o'clock on the on the if you you lay it at the angle when you're done, isn't that what it's supposed to be? Oh, it means help. I need. I'm I'm tied up under the table. Um, I do know that you told me sticking chopsticks upright in your bowl is rude. Yes. If like you're at a Japanese place and you stick chopsticks into your rice, it's kind of like saying fuck you to the people who made it, which, you know, uh, is probably not the nicest thing to do. Um, but yeah, to me, like I was, I laughed once because I was waiting tables and someone had put their napkin on top of their plate, like crumpled up. And I went and grabbed their plate and they got like upset because they weren't done yet. And I was like, all right, buddy, like that's. That's crazy. Um, one of my favorite things. That's the international sign of I'm done is I oh, put like, my crumpled napkin you literally on my plate. Throw in the towel. Yeah. Um, one of my favorite things is so you go into a Japanese restaurant, right? You walk into a Japanese restaurant. What's the first thing you hear? What do they say to you? 
Irashaimase. Which means? Uh, it's like a welcome, essentially. It's the equivalent of like welcome to my restaurant. There's a literal translation that I, I don't know. And but. so for the longest time, <laughs> I thought they were saying hi. And so I would say it back. But wrong. So it just sounded like Eliza was just walking to restaurant saying, welcome to my restaurant. Like they're like, welcome to my restaurant. And I'm like, welcome to Mama Jamal. <laughs> That's one of my favorite things because you're very funny. Captain Melissa, what was your first impression of Eliza? Um, I was about to just do a stupid joke about doing an impression of you. Um, I, oh, my God. I would love to hear that. Do you have one? I don't. Because I have one of you. Yeah. Uh, restaurants. It's pretty good. Thank you. Um, was that she's hot, and that was the first impression because you were right. coming up the escalator. What do I say? Wearing, oh. wearing jean shorts. I was very je- short jean shorts. That whole that was the the great summer of trying to have tan legs. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and I, we'd been messaging and stuff uh, a little bit too, and and so I, I obviously knew she was smart and funny, and I was very excited. But yeah. Definitely, uh, first impression was hot. Oh, see, girls, this is how men are. See, girls, be hot. Be. (laughs) (laughs) Last one. We'll do a a second episode because we got a lot of questions here. But also, I think personalities affect attractiveness too. There are some, like, aesthetically attractive women. Where? Who I could not be less attracted to because, like, their their personalities are just, like, grating and penis inverting and uh it's always funny when you have that friend that you think men think are hot i had this one friend i have this one friend who she's like the hot girl and any guy i've ever dated i'm like yeah they're gonna think she's hot and every time they've been like your friend's a fucking maniac i cannot be in the same room as that girl so girls just because society's like this is the way to look make sure you have Two pigtails and purple highlights doesn't mean men necessarily always find it attractive. And there are so many different types of hot people, and there's different ways to do it. And the personality- Hot girls. Why do you always say people? Because men are hot too. Yeah, but not to you. Uh, No. But yes, true. And so, and it's just different types of people are are attractive, and and their personality is part of it, and who you are and what, what, what it's like. It's just, there's- there's a lot of ways to go. It's just trying to find the right person who matches with you. Gotta find the right mix. We're gonna end on this one. Sam We're underscore. Ending? What? We're ending? Is well, it, it's, it? It's been over an hour. Really? Oh, yes. Wow. Time flies when you're talking about restaurants. Last one at Nessie, the fired mom. The fired mom. How do you find your passion and then follow it? I'm young and I have a lot of things that call to me, but leaves me frozen with indecision and I don't know where to start. Um, that's awesome that you have a lot of passions. That's, that's, uh, rare. A lot of people's problem is they have none. Um, uh, if you're passionate about a lot of stuff, I would say try to do them all and find out which one you're the best at. Yeah. I, I also think maybe you're, you're misusing the word passion because a passion is like this unquenchable thirst. Like you think about it all the time. It's burning inside of you. Like, I have a passion for like three things and there's other things that I'm interested in. I wouldn't say I have a passion for watching my 600 pound life, but I enjoy it. So I think you need to, if you're all over the place, I think you need to narrow it down. What is it that you think about the most? Like what can you not live without? What's your heartbeat? I know for Smokey, it's me. Yes. Yes, love. We got that from from 90 Day Fiance. I hate that show. <laughs> you hate it. You I would, hate reality TV. It's just so not 
my thing. I'd have it on, and he would physically put his back to the TV and face the other way on the couch. And watch basketball. Grumpo cat. I just, it's, it's it does not, I don't have that desire to watch, like, like angry fame whores. Like, it just, it's just, it's, it's like. Even as you're saying, your lips are curling in I the way. It. Oh, it's, I'm sorry. I'm so sad. I don't, I don't like being around it. Okay, well, you don't have to be. Get it away from me. Okay, take it easy. All right, let's get to Top of the Cob because it's my favorite part of the show. Hit it. It's the Top of the Cob. We're doing it right every day. You just take a bite. Top of the Cob. My Top of the Cob. We took a trip to Vermont recently. Oh, great. You're going to steal my Top of the Cob now? No, it's just the just the part of it. And I indulged in three hot toddies a night. <laughs> I am not really a whiskey drinker. Uh, I guess it was bourbon. And I chugged them down like apple juice. And you can't serve it. I've had many a Christmas party where I have like a warm mold drink that I shove down people's gullets, even though it's 80 degrees outside. It was tasty. And I was drunk. And then I ate a whole Hershey bar. But a hot toddy, I never was into it. And boy, oh boy, do I get it now. Quick, top of the cup. Uh, along those same lines, um, I love when you get to be in a place that specializes in something and then it actually also is great. Like we were just in Vermont and I was so excited to just like eat smoked Vermont ham with Vermont cheddar and uh, like with a Vermont apple. I just was like, it was, yeah. I put cheddar on everything over these three you days. You really did. It's, it was amazing. It was great. Vermontanian. Vermontonian. Vermontonian. Bottom of the cob. Uh, what if the top of the cob was the bottom of cobblers? Would you? Well, anyone... no. The whole idea is that the top of the cob is the the cobbler is the best part. Right, but what if I loved the bottoms of cobblers and that was my top of the cob? Was I with you when I came across this in the first place, or was it Hunter? Uh, I who? It was you. Tell? It was you. We stopped at that Route sixty six store, like on the way back from our honeymoon. I think. Remember, it was like all nineteen fifties themed. Uh huh. And they had cobbler oh, yes. jars, and I remember thinking, like, who wants the middle? Everybody wants what's on the top of the cob. Anywho, bottom of the cob, um, my neck hurts from texting, but I can't stop texting, and I don't know how else to hold my phone, and I think it's slowly killing all of us and giving me, as Mr. Burns would say, a mighty hump. Soon you'll have a mighty hump. Uh, my bottom of the cob uh, is people talking about bringing weather with you. I don't know why this annoys me so much. It doesn't annoy me that much, but it's it seems like it's like... Oh, it's snowing up here. You're going back to LA in the fight. Wish you could bring this weather with you, huh? No. Or it's like you go somewhere and it starts raining and it was raining where you just came from. Like, oh, I guess you brought the rain with you. Really? Anyway, that's my bottom I guess of the I cup. have to punch you now. It's just small talk, just aphorisms, small talk. I don't mind talking about the weather. I just don't like talking about magically uh, having it follow you around. I wrote a joke in a special very long time ago, just how... If you are a foreigner, like if you're from another state and you're in a different state, you cannot say anything about the weather because the local person, you're like, wow, it's really snowing hard. Oh, that's our, this is our summer. You fucking loser. That's what they're saying. You got lily livered and you can't handle our weather. Oh, can I give a second bottom of the cob? This is a real deep cut that drives me actually yep. angry. Um, okay. This is for a very small subset of people. So, is it just your friend James? No. Okay. All right. So NBA League Pass is a service you can pay for that allows you to watch out-of-market NBA games. You can watch every NBA game that's not on national TV. It's great if you want to watch lots of basketball. I'm a big basketball nerd. They added a tier of it which is commercial-free, which doesn't exist because 
NBA games have timeouts. They have halftime. There are commercials. There, so they're saying yeah. you get to watch the in-arena feed. But then what I discovered is that if you don't pay for that, they're adding commercials over the gameplay. Making that money. That is that is infuriating. Yeah. You're adding it's like it's like airline crap where they're mm-hmm. like adding a feature like you get to pay for a window seat now. We if for twenty dollars extra, we won't punch you in the teeth. Shouldn't happen anyway, you know? So uh yeah, that NBA League Pass thing pissed me off. I'm trying to watch my game and they're gonna show a commercial during gameplay instead, watching it load and I gotta it's the usually the same commercial again. Yeah. Of that lady in front of a mortgage sign. That being said, last night we're in this hotel and I'm I'm in the other room reading a book and it's so sad because Smokey's in here with his laptop, his like little headphones plugged in the laptop at the desk watching his game, and he called me in to watch what is it? The you were very upset about something, and I wanted to show you uh, something that made me cheer me up. Oh, what were their names? Uh, somebody Christian and Scooby. And Scooby. Christian and Scooby. It was the halftime show of a Suns game I watched. What's it? The Talking Stick Resort and Arena Casino. Talking Stick Resort Arena. Um, another top of the cob for me is is Monty Williams doing a great job with the Phoenix Suns this year. This is not that podcast. Okay, it can be. And it was this guy who was on America's Got Talent, and he was this like Eastern European gymnast who had this tiny chihuahua that crawled all over him and did tricks. And Smokey was like, imagine you're that talented, but you still need a dog. (laughs) Tiny Chihuahua who packed Um, himself up at the end. It was very cute. If you live in Arizona, you've seen it maybe. So you're saying you don't want to have me do a bunch of information about this this current sun season and like how great Aaron Payne is. Episode two. Uh, I'm going to plug your book. My husband wrote the James Beard nominated book on vegetables for Chef Jeremy Fox, who also did the menu for our wedding. It is a beautiful book just to have in your home. Um, what else should we tell them? Um, I know that you keep my identity a secret, but, uh, you know, uh, you can, but what do I, what do I? At Galutin, G-A-L-U-T-E-N. There is a reason we kept our own last names. Um, and, uh, sometimes I, I post goofy videos of my wife, yeah. but mostly it's food. One day when we've been together long enough, you will release the, the compendium that you've put together of pictures of me sleeping. Oh my God. I sleep. Some of those are not for public consumption. <laughs> I sleep like I've been pushed out of a window and Smokey Husky takes pictures of them. And this was, and thank you for being on my podcast. Thank you for knowing so much about restaurants. We didn't have much, just fried grits, cheddar biscuits, cold cob ham, turk time fried, small oysters, uh, apple cobbler, blueberry grits, and pork sandwich. Is there such a thing as a traveler? Not a Delta. Because we know on one flight, Mike in 8C prefers reality TV to reality. So we provide more than 1,000 hours of in-flight entertainment. While on the flight after, 8C is occupied by Jen, whose favorite snack is tea. That's why we provide fast, free Delta Sync Wi-Fi available for SkyMiles members. Because at Delta, we know. Refill? Everyone flies their own way. Delta. Keep climbing. Free Wi-Fi available on most domestic flights. Terms of use apply. Life is a highway. And on it, there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour.